Has a lane, 15-10, touchdown, Chargers! What's up, guys? Welcome into a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly. As always, joined by Matt Money-Smith. And we'll get into offensive coordinator candidates. But Money, there was some sad news uh, yesterday morning. Uh, Jesse Lemonier, former Chargers outside linebacker, passed away at the age of 25. Obviously, our, our condolences to his family, um, teammates, especially some of the teammates that he has on this current Chargers team. Yeah, you know, and it's, look, it's incredibly sad when someone passes away that young. Uh, child on the way, I mean, just a, a heartbreaking mm. story. Um, and I think in, in Jesse's case, you know, this is one of the guys that was you know, fighting with the, the Braden Fajokos and the, you know, these are practice squad guys that get called up one week and back on the practice squad the next and called up the next week. And you're trying to make an impact on special teams and, and make some plays out there. And, um, it's not easy, you know, it's, it's a tough, tough path to, to making it in the NFL. And by all accounts, it seemed like, even though, you know, he was facing, that sort of adversity, not knowing if you were going to be able to, to have a career in the NFL and, and one week you think you are and the next week you're not. And, you know, it's a year to year, you know, it's even less than a year to year and almost a week to week sort of question that you're asking yourself of, of how am I going to make a living? Um, you know, it seemed like you just had, by all accounts, a real positive attitude and, yeah. uh, and had a very uh, profound impact on that group of guys, specifically when you, you, you kind of saw the, the tributes on social media the guys that he was, you know, fighting with on that practice squad. Yeah, incredibly sad and puts a lot in perspective. You know, we talk about wins and losses and leads and blown leads and wins and playoff appearances. Uh, this is what really matters. And, you know, I think Braden Fajoko had a nice uh, tribute to him on his Instagram. So, again, just yeah. incredibly sad. Our, our condolences to his family, his loved ones, his teammates. And uh, we'll make that, that transition to uh, – what the the lead is, I guess, for the Chargers in terms of news, and that's finding an offensive coordinator. Uh, we got some names, money. We got some interviews that are already in the can, and I figured let's just go through some of these guys. Um, a, a lot of guys from the Rams. Um, a lot of guys that would have uh, first year offensive coordinator experience if they came to the Chargers in 2023. And I figured we start with the first name we saw, and that's Zach Robinson who's 36 years old, a former NFL quarterback, was a, a pro football focus senior analyst before Sean McVay grabbed him, snatched him up, and brought him to his staff. So, uh, you know, I saw a, a video of Zach at a press conference, and he literally echoed the same words that Brandon Staley echoed in his press conference, the marriage between the run and the pass. You know, this is the, the tree that I think Brandon Staley is most comfortable with, and, and Zach Robinson was first up. Yeah, I mean, before I, I start with Zach, I think we should start with the, the name I mentioned last week and how it's just not obviously – and I didn't think it was oh, yeah. going to happen. I figured Frank was going to get a head coaching gig. He's just way too good. Um, and I think it it speaks to, you know, just not making a rash decision, and that's exactly what it was in Indianapolis. And we know that Jim Irsay is one of the more quirky um, owners in the league, but you, you kind of – I don't know who they're going to hire. I mean, word is that he wants to keep Jeff Saturday. You tell me that Jeff got a second either, interview. Yeah. You tell me you can either have Jeff Saturday or Frank Reich as your head coach. And it's going to take me all of one tenth of one second to tell you which one of those guys I would want. So 
Um, I knew it was going to be a long shot um, and because he's just too good. So, you know, the fact that you're not going to be able to get your hands on someone that had called plays previously, that was a head coach previously, that did marry the run in the past in both Philadelphia and Indianapolis, you know, you now move on to some of these candidates that don't have a lot of experience, um, that are younger, that you're banking on the coaching tree as much as you are, and you're banking on the person um, as opposed to kind of the resume. You know, you're just trying to get a feel. And look, calling plays – I think people make a big deal out of it. I'm so happy that that Brian Dable didn't call plays in New York. I think it just goes to show you that, like this idea of oh we gotta we gotta find the next Andy Reid or we've gotta find the next Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay these head coaches that are able to call plays it doesn't it doesn't have to be that way. I mean there's sure. there are a lot of benefits to not calling plays as a head coach to be able because I think that's what people don't realize you know is, is especially offensively as as an offensive coordinator like you have to be thinking five six plays down the drive you know at the very least you're thinking two plays down the drive so it's very hard to be present in the moment and be a head coach when you're thinking okay this was my call if we get six yards I've got to go to this if we get 10 I'm going to this if we get stuffed or take a set like that's that's, you know, kind of why, I, and I'm sorry for that tangent, but I think like that's what's important to remember is, you know, that the, the position is, is tough, but it's not rocket science. You know, there are great coaches that don't call plays. Um, I think there's a reason why Mike Kafka is going to end up getting a head coaching job. Remember, he got hired as OC by Brian Dable just to kind of keep that thread going. And here's Dable, who's, co- who's called plays for, 15 years, you know, at Alabama, helped develop Josh Allen and build that Bills offense into a bit of a juggernaut with him. And he gets to New York and he's like, no, it's my first time as a head coach. I'm not calling plays. Brings in Kafka. Yeah. Yeah. Who had never called plays before. And look at that Giants offense. I mean, it was supposed to be one of the worst in the league. They had zero, you know, elite talent at the wide receiver or tight end position, and they end up winning a playoff game and, and being probably the surprise of the season save the Seahawks. So um, I, I just kind of illustrate that because Kafka had never called plays before, but you were banking on the guy. Here's a former quarterback, a smart guy from Northwestern, a guy that coached under Andy Reid and was able to watch the way that he does it for all those years. And it's and, and that's what Dayball found. He's like, okay, this is, this is the guy. Even though I've got all this experience calling plays, this is my first head coaching gig, and I'm going to hand this guy the play card, and he's going to do it. So I, I, I bring that up because I think that's kind of what the Chargers are probably looking at, is yeah. someone that has not called plays before. But, but I would say this, too, about Kafka. He catered to his personnel in, in New York, right? Like They didn't have any, really, they didn't have any wide receivers. They, they said Daniel Jones can be mobile. He can run the football. Saquon Barkley is our bell cow, and we're going to cater our offense to what we have. They didn't have Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and all the guys that Brian Dayball had last year. Dayball took that CEO approach and said, all right, Kafka, you're going to run the offense. Wink, you're yeah. going to run the defense. And I'm going to give that input and, and run, the, run the team, right? So I, I guess in the case of a guy like Zach Robinson, right, if, if you're around Sean McVay for the last three years or a guy like Thomas Brown who we'll get to, if you're around 
Sean McVay for you know a, a number of years, and you see how he runs an offense and how he calls plays. You can only hope that, that there are some transferable skills over there. And then, first and foremost, I think with Zach Robinson, he's a former NFL quarterback, right? right. So he, he, he pl- knows the position. He played the position. He was drafted to play that position in the NFL. Um, so the importance of that relationship with Justin Herbert, I think, would have to be priority A there. Yeah, I, I you know, Albert Breer, I know, reported it. And, I mean, at this point, and who knows, you know, by the time we, we post the pod, whether or not it will be decided, it seems like he's the guy. You know, it, it certainly feels that way. You know, we, we talked about this last week. You know, he requested Kevin O'Connell when he was hired two years ago, denied. Requested Mike McDaniel two years ago, denied. And that's how Joe Lombardi got here. So, you know, when you're interviewing four guys from the Rams, uh, two guys from Kevin O'Connell's staff, it seems to be apparent the direction that he wants to go. And it, it seems like Zach of all the names we're going to go through, save Greg Olson is, is the most sort of experience seems to fit. Like you said, Chris, he's a former quarterback. He's, you know, I, I do like the parallels between he and, and Kafka, um, you know, just because I do think they're similar, you know, it's, it's someone that that's been in a, a spot for a minute uh, that has worked with quarterbacks, that is a former quarterback, that's that's watched, you know, one of the best play callers in the league for a few years now. And, um, you know, it just seems like he's ready to get his shot. I mean, you know, like I think about when Shane took over the offense, when Wiz was let go, and yeah. just how great, how how good it looked. It's like, you know, here's former quarterback, learning under somebody that was pretty darn good at it. You know, don't forget Ken Wisenhunt went to a Super Bowl, you know, Colin plays as a head coach in, in Arizona. So, you know, I think you saw how great Shane was the second he was given the keys to the car. Um, and, and obviously, look at what he's doing in Philadelphia now. They're going to probably end up going to a Super Bowl um, and what he was able to do with Jalen Hurts. And so, to me, Zach Robinson looks like the guy. I, I think he's going to probably end up being the one that gets the job, and I, I'm excited about that. You know, I, I look, I love the offense. It's it's hard to argue with the results. Um, you know, Minnesota did not lose that game to the Giants because of offense. They lost because they have no defense. You know, but the offense was moving the ball. They won 12 games this year, so you know, I got no problem with the, the style of offense in San Francisco and and here in LA with the Rams and and up in Minnesota. It, it certainly seems to produce pretty darn good results. Yeah, you know, just going back to Shane, also just working on the fly with Justin. Remember that, that week two game? Yeah. To have Justin play the way that he did that entire rookie season without a preseason. People forget that that was the, the COVID year where there were no preseason games. So for him to go in cold, a, a guy like Shane is a perfect example of that. Um, and, and you go through these offenses, right? Gerard Johnson, you know, Kevin O'Connell, uh, Greg right. Olson. Greg Olson's kind of the outlier here because he's been in the, the NFL for 20 years and he's yeah. been an offensive coordinator for six different teams. He's been with Gruden and McVay for the last six years. So, you know, I think he's kind of that, that steady veteran presence. You probably know what you're going to get there. Um, but I, I do think that this team wants to make a splash. I think Brandon Staley specifically said that he kind of pointed to himself as like, hey, no one knew about me three years ago. Um, and it seemed like, you know, that's the path that he wants to take. A, a young guy who uh, maybe can breathe a little energy into this offense. Um, I I wonder about Justin Herbert, though. I It's not so much wondering, but I, I do think – Three offenses in four years, that's a lot for anybody. You know, I, I think the Matt Canada 
uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The reason they said they brought him back was because the lights started to come on with that offense latter half of the year, and they kind of got some momentum. So the only thing, if, if I were to play devil's advocate with some of these guys, is that, hey, it, it's going to be a little bit of a different offense for Justin Herbert. That probably doesn't matter, you know, because we know how smart Justin is. But yeah. it's something that could maybe consider that, hey, this is going to be a, another new system for Justin to learn his third in, in four seasons. Yeah, and look, there's no way around it. I think it was clear that, you know, they were a little concerned by the production this past season. Um, and I think even at times last season, they did not run the ball well. And, you know, I think for, for Coach Staley, too, one of the things about that is that it's – and we brought this up, I think, already, but I'll repeat it. It's very hard – you know, it's something DJ said. It's very hard to have a good run defense when you don't have a good run offense because you're not practicing against a really good run offense day in and day out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can tie the two together. You know, that the run def- either the run defense is prohibiting the run offense from being better or the run offense is prohibiting the run defense from being better. And somehow they got to get those two things to connect. So I don't think there was any question that, you know, Joe was probably going to be on his way out after a- another subpar season, you know, from the run offense and also just sort of the, the stagnation it felt like from this offense this season. Um, you know, and I think, I think you said it, you know, Justin's plenty smart, you know, you're going to have an entire off season. You're going to have mini camp to do installs. You're going to have, you know, all, all of those things in June, the two weeks in June, and then you're going to have five weeks to, to get comfortable. I, I don't think it's like college where you, you know, you're younger, you're not quite mature. You know, you only have X number of hours with these kids every week because of those rules. You know, to me, it's it's much easier um, for this to happen in, in the NFL than it is in college. So, you know, that's to me, that's not necessarily something I'm too concerned about. And I think that's the other thing too. remember, you know, the reason why this job is so attractive is because of the pieces that you have in place. You're an OC that gets to coach and call plays for Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler and Mike Williams, you know, with an offensive line that features Rashawn Slater and Zion Johnson and Trey Pipkins and Corey Lindsay, you're going to probably put up numbers and people are going to be looking at you. So it could be a one and done like Brandon Staley was for Sean McVay, you know, coordinating that defense. And now all of a sudden he's gone and you got to replace him. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, something like that, you know, if Zach is super impressive or whomever they hire, you know, we'll get to the other names in a second here, but I wouldn't be surprised if they can get this thing right and it's as good as we think it can be with the right play caller if they don't end up as a head coach, you know, with just a one-and-done kind of deal. Like like yeah. Kafka's going to probably end up, you know, or at least has a very good shot of ending up being a head coach after just a single season calling plays. You know, a guy that I was impressed with even last year, just seeing some of his interviews and, and um, what Sean McVay has said about him is Thomas Brown. And, yeah. and Thomas Brown – was a running back in the NFL. Uh, he moved from running backs coach to tight ends coach, and he's that guy who I, I think and I envision as being a head coach in, in this league in the next you know one to two years. He's another interesting name money, especially when we talk about the running game and, and getting the running game going and having uh, your leader connect with the team. And he seems to have the leadership qualities that I think a lot of people want uh, on their staff. So you know, as much as we talk about Zach Robinson and him being a former quarterback, um, I think Thomas Brown is an intriguing name. And I actually look at him as more of a 
uh, a head coach type here in the next couple of years. Yeah, I think that's – look, I, this is fair or not. I mean, you can, you can just – I'll just call it what it is. Like, there aren't a lot of former running backs or running back coaches that are calling plays. There just aren't. They're almost all quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. There's some offensive linemen, but for the most part, they're – they tend to be quarterbacks. If you just go go right down the list, man, and, you know, Shanahan, McVay, you know, Canada, all these guys are typically former quarter. Frank Reich, you know, it's just the way it, for whatever reason, that seems to connect. Mm-hmm. So that would be my one concern. Um, and look, this is, I hate saying it, but, and I know he's up for, you know, reportedly, you know, D'Amico Ryan's, if he gets the job in Denver, wants to take him with him. But, like, just kind of saw the way Anthony called plays when he was here, when he kind of took that over for a minute um, and, and was calling some plays. And the way it went in De- in Detroit when he was the OC there, you know, and ended up losing the play calling from Dan Campbell, Anthony Lynn, our friend. Like, that just – that would make me a little bit nervous. And that's not fair. I know it's totally not yeah. fair because, look, the, the Rams run offense and Cam Akers was, like, sent to – football Siberia and they were trying to trade him and they couldn't and all of a sudden they give him back the running game and Cam is is great again so certainly he has that sort of ability to coach it up and and he's you know and 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 look he could be great for me fair or not it would it would just give me a little bit yeah I'd be a little bit hesitant you know, if you ask me, hey, what do you prefer? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm I'm biased. I prefer a quarterback to be calling plays as an OC. I just feel like that's what we tend to, you know, and whatever. It's, you know, look, Andy Reid wasn't a quarterback, and he's one of the best play callers in the history of the league. I mean, heck, Mike, you know, Mike Leach, who helped advance an offense that is, you know, everywhere in college football now, you know, didn't even freaking play football for the most part, barely played football. So yeah. it can happen. For me, I just, you know, I'm sort of a numbers guy, and I look at the percentages. It's just like, okay, percentages say quarterback's typically the way to go. Um, and But again, I, I think the one thing that Thomas Brown has going for him is the run offense was stagnant. And when he kind of got moved into a different position in that offensive, you know, coaching room by Sean McVay, it seemed to really take off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And – there's, what, 10 offensive coordinator, nine, maybe nine offensive coordinator positions open in the NFL right now? Not to mention the head coaching vacancies, you know? So you've got to remember, it's it's not just the OC, the 10 OCs, but you've got four head coaching vacancies as well that will need OCs. So, yeah. I, I only, you know, we're going off reports and, and then what the Chargers have said uh, in terms of people who have interviewed and completed their interviews. But anybody else out there? Like, you know, you see a report about Joe Brady, uh you know, you hear about Kellen Moore and how his status with the Cowboys is in flux. Is there any dark horse candidates you'd be interested in seeing? Joe Brady's interesting, you know, because of what he did with Joe Burrow at LSU, not what he did in Carolina. Um, There were some rumors coming out of Carolina that um, he was slow to adjust, that, you know, just kind of came in with the same game plan. I know that was sort of some of the things, you know, when he got let go by rule, it was like, wow, that was bad. This is a guy that was, you know, in the conversation as a head coach. When they hired Mike McCarthy, Joe Brady was kind of like the dark horse candidate to be the head coach in Dallas. Like, that's how, you know, how popular he was, how bright his star was, and just kind of that quick ascent after what he was able to do at LSU, breaking every college record, 
you know, there was on their march to that championship. Obviously, you saw the talent he had on that offense, specifically Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. But um, and then all of a sudden, it just got sideways in a hurry. Yeah. So maybe he was able to. I don't think to... he had the quarterback to push it down the field in Carolina either, right? T- Teddy, yeah. Teddy isn't that guy. They had some speed, but it, it's, it was almost like the opposite of what he had at LSU in terms of Burrow pushing the ball down the field, right? Hundred um, percent. And, and again, Matt Rule failed wildly in Carolina. No denying that. So it's kind of hard. You know, that's that's why if, if Brady's the guy, I think yeah, you, you see what he did at LSU and. A lot of that was just, you know, five guys out. And that's what Cincinnati did last week, you know, with their offensive line issues. They just did what Joe did at LSU. And they're like, yeah, ball's going to be out, man. And Joe was so quick. And that's the interesting thing about Joe Brady, right, is one of the things about Burrow is he is such a fast processor. He sees it so quickly before you can get a hand on him. And, Joe, and, and Justin's the same way. You know, Justin sees it quick. You know, he works those progressions quickly. So... That's where the, I think the Joe Brady, you know, sort of idea comes in and makes sense because that's what they did at LSU. And, and, man, did it work. Talk about putting up points, man, on some really good teams. So um, that makes sense. You know, Joe Brady makes sense. I think the, you know, the Luke Steckle, well, we'll get to Steckle, but, you know, there's, there's some interesting names. I got confused. For sure. for, when I saw Luke Steckle, I thought Luke Fickle. I was like, Luke Fickle from Cincinnati to Wisconsin to the Chargers? No, Luke Steckle. Okay. Luke Steckle. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, so, I mean, though, to be honest, Chris, like, look, we don't, we don't know a lot about these guys because they haven't called plays. No. You know, save Joe Brady. Complete crap Joe Brady shoot. didn't, you know, you know, yeah. You know, Bunny, the, the common theme, I think, for Sunday, you talk about these four teams, they can all run the football. Uh, Pacheco in Kansas City, Mixon, the way that they kind of milked the clock in Buffalo after getting up. Um, Philly, obviously, with that three-headed attack and Jalen Hurts, and then we've talked about San Francisco the last two weeks. Uh, the theme, I think, from 2021 to 2022 is we still really didn't identify the second running back. And we talked a little bit about it uh, yes, or last week, rather, but the, the Chargers are going to have to find a running game. And I think that is going to be just as important as getting Justin Herbert going is having that balanced attack. And certainly that's, you know, that's going to be a big part of the OC hire, you know, which is where the, the Thomas Brown thing becomes interesting, right? Is, is you know, here is someone that and – that, and look, the, the thing about the explosive passes and the passing game and, is it all works off the run. Everything works off the run. So, you know, with McVeigh and with Shanahan and with Kevin O'Connell, you know, and Dalvin Cook, like none of that works until the running game gets going. So that's, you know, I guess that's where you would kind of say, okay, well – we know we can get the passing game going. It's Justin Herbert. You know, we got to figure out how to get designed runs to be more successful. And that's the same thing in Philadelphia. You know, even though they got 2,700 yards between A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, you know, the quietest 2,700. The only thing quieter, more quiet than that was Miles Sanders' 1,300 rushing yards. You know, so... Yeah, I mean, and, and the reason those were so quiet, and I think he had 11 touchdowns, you know, it's just because Jalen Hurts ran for 813 touchdowns, you know. So I don't think it's necessarily, you know, as, as we discussed last week, it's not the names. To me, it's the plays. You know, you got the names. You've got it. You know, Austin's, you can lean on Austin. He can he can be every bit as productive as, I, I believe, as any of those guys, as Miles Sanders, as Dalvin Cook, I think he has the skill set, the strength. You know, I think the one difference is is he's smaller, so you just don't want him to take too much abuse. 
which is why it's important to have that second player. Um, but, you know, look, Austin's been I, – I think you could probably circle Dalvin Cook and say he's probably been out more than, than Austin has, you know, and taken a beating. So the one great thing about Austin is, you know, he tends to stay out there. You know, you might have a game or two here or there, like every running back, and it happened, you know, it's happened to Miles Sanders, happened to – look, Christian McCaffrey's dealing with something right now going into championship game. So to me it's less about finding another back and more about – and look, the OC will tell you that. And that's the thing. The, the yeah. offensive coordinator is going to be able to come in with a new set of eyes and say, hey, yeah, I know you really like him, but eh, no, not but let's, you know, and and there's guys out there, right? I mean, heck, if you hire Robinson or Brown or Olsen, you know, they let go of Henderson. You know, they were trying to trade Cam Akers. I mean, they brought Malcolm Brown back this year. It's like it's funny the way it's, you know, they, they, they guys like guys like their guys. It's one of the it's one of the old adages in the NFL is you could coach you could have someone on your roster that was totally unproductive for two years, but somebody goes down with an injury and who pops up on the practice squad? That guy. Just because you're like, Yeah, we know this guy and we're comfortable with him and we know if we tell him to do this that he's gonna do it, even if he doesn't do it that well. So that's that's one of the more I, I think the the state of the the running game for the Rams could end up producing one of those players as well you know it was very interesting that, that they gave up on acres so soon and then obviously you saw him come back with a fury you know once he was given another shot uh same thing like interesting they let go of their leading rusher and henderson you know like he's he's on the street it's just kind of odd these are two guys that were mid-round you know high mid-round picks um and and now perhaps looking for work one of the things i appreciated most about the Eagles season was that week to week they conform to what whatever the defense like so when when the titans played the eagles and everybody thought that they were just gonna try to run the football because they they're the one of the best rushing uh, offenses in the nfl they threw it over their heads to aj brown and Devonte smith each week they had a game plan that was designed to maximize their strengths and uh, put a spotlight on the weakness of the defense. And I don't think the Chargers had that last year. It, it was really just the arm of Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, you, you didn't go into a game and say, you know what, we're going to run the football uh, 30 times because this is the worst rushing yeah. defense in, in the NFL. So I, I just I appreciated the way that Steichen and Sirianni put that offense together. Um, you had It was, it was a, a Miles Sanders, Boston Scott Gainwell week, one week, and then it was an A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, uh, Dallas Goddard week the next. You, you really didn't know, and, and it was kind of uh, you cater it to who your opponent is, and I think that's what the offensive coordinator is going to have to do too. It's way too much talent, as you mentioned, on this Chargers team to just know that all right, this, these are the plays that we're going to call each and every week. You got to cater it to your opponent. One of the things uh, also about Philadelphia that, that cannot be overlooked is just the front, you know, on both sides. I mean, yeah. it's, it's the best defensive line in the league. Uh, bar none. I mean, you've got, I think, three or maybe even four guys in double-digit sacks. They nearly broke the record this year for most sacks in a single season. I think the record was like 79, and I think they ended up with like 73 or four or something, just some absurd number. So you have that, you know, where you're putting pressure and you're creating turnovers and you're getting more opportunities, you know, for your team to go up double-digit you know a couple scores and now you can lean on the run you know not they have to play catch up and you know that sort of thing so but the other thing about Philadelphia is the offensive front they have invested heavily on the offensive line heavily multiple first rounders 
uh, big paydays for free agents. You know, they have one of the best tackles in the game in Lane Johnson. They have the best center in the game in Jason Kelsey. Like, and that's, and that's one thing that I, I feel like, you know, when healthy, what we saw from Trey this year, um, if he's brought back, what we saw from Jamari Sawyer, uh, I don't think anybody would be disappointed with Zion's, you know, rookie campaign, even though there were some ups and downs. Like, that's the one thing the Chargers have going for them. They're going yeah. to have one of the best offensive fronts in the league. You know, if everybody's healthy and you go Slater and either Filer or Sawyer, you know, Lindsley, Johnson, and Pipkins, that's going to be one of the best groups out there. So, or if Filer stays, now to have Jamari as a swing or a sixth offensive, like, you're going to be able to do a lot. And I would assume that's going to be very exciting. And we saw what it looked like last year. We brought this up. You know, when they ran left, they averaged like five yards per carry. When they ran right, they, they averaged like negative one, you know, last year. So to be able to balance. And this year, the right side was better, you know, running the football with Trey and, and Zion. So that's, I think that's something to, to keep in mind, too. When, you know, this offensive line is healthy and that, you know, fair or not for Joe, the left side is where he did most of his running last year behind Slater and Filer and, and Lindsley, and that was gone. Um, so, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how much better that is just by default because of the front and the talent on the front and how much better they ought to be. Yeah, and you wonder how the personnel may change based on how they plan to run the football, um, who they have on the roster now, what changes could be made in free agency, who they target in the draft. So those right. are all unknowns that, that we'll obviously uh, know a little bit more about in the next couple of months. Um, anything else with this OC search? Like you said, Zach Robinson seems to be a, a guy that uh, is getting some buzz out there in the public. Um, anybody else or anything else you want to mention? with? I mean, it, yeah, the one thing I will say is, Look, I know they want to be deliberate and take their time, but you said it. There's ten openings, yeah. you know, and 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 I would and look, maybe I'm wrong, or maybe I don't know. I just thought once Frank got hired, I think that I was like, okay, maybe they're going to be patient because they want to see all these other vacancies get filled if Frank's still out there, you know, to 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 nab him. Um, once he got hired, I was like, hey man, let's go, let's yeah. let's get your guy before you know, one of the other nine openings gets filled. Um, Are you surprised or... it's taken this long money? It's January 27th. We still have four open head coaching vacancies. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just, like you said, guys like Kafka who just finished their season. Maybe there's some guys who are actually coaching right now that may get jobs. I think that's the – look, I know a lot of people have said this. It's so stupid that they don't put a hiring freeze until after the playoffs. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, the fact that D'Amico Ryans or Shane Steichen, you know, we've seen it with B enemy, you know, like that those guys aren't going to get jobs, you know, or Lou Anarumo, like those guys aren't going to get jobs because their teams are still in it. Like, that's just, it's absurd. It's stupid. Why, why would you not like after watching what Sirianni and Shane have done with this offense two, two years in a row now, you know, after watching what the Bengals' defense has looked like two years in a row now, um, you know, like it, it just it seems weird that you wouldn't wait. And so maybe teams have finally, you know, have finally kind of managed to get smart and say, okay, why do I need to to hire someone right now? Unless you fall in love with the candidate, you know, if you are, hey, that's our guy, then hire him. You know, then you know, and I think that's probably what happened with. 
with Carolina is they're like, look, we we're not interested in the first time head coach here. You know, we did that with rule with the college jump did not work. We want someone with experience and Frank's probably going to get an offer if we don't bring him in immediately. And I think that's why that hire happened. Um, and I also, you know, my understanding is they were trying to sell Wilkes on the idea of becoming a real, you know, a very highly paid assistant to continue to coordinate the defense. Um, that it was going to go one way or the other, that if they could convince Frank to be the OC and Wilkes to be the head coach and just pay them both almost, you know, just giant salaries like what Jerry's doing with Dan Quinn in Dallas, that that was going to be their approach. And if Frank was probably like, no, I'm good. Uh, there's, I'm going to get a head coaching gig, you know, between one of these four openings, I'm going to get one of them. So that's why they went that route. So that may be why they did it. Um, but anyway, I'm rambling now. I'd like to see them do that. I'd like to see them hire their OC. I'd like to see them figure it out before the guy that they really want is gone because there are so many openings. And I assume that Tom and Brandon are, and, you know, and John are, are really good at, at identifying and hiring. And once they've got this thing figured out, and plus the other thing, Chris, is like to me, the longer it takes, it's just not crazy about the look. It suggests that, yeah, you weren't really blown away. You weren't really wowed, and now you're just kind of settling. Like, if you are wowed, like, look, that's what happened with Staley. You know, he just blew him away. And they were like, hey, we're not letting this guy get on a plane and go into Florida and interviewing for Philadelphia. We're just going to hire him right now. And that's what happened because he was scheduled to hop a plane, fly to Florida, meet with Lurie, and they were so impressed that they did not want him to get on that plane. And they made him the offer immediately. So that's the other thing, too, is like it suggests to me that, you know, maybe none of these – Candidates has really wowed them, you know, and they're they're waiting to get that feeling that, oh, yeah, this is here we go. Steckles the guy. Joe Brady's <laughs> the guy. Like, I feel it. You know, the second they walked out of the room, hey, don't let them leave the building. Let's let's figure out what the number is and let's get it put to bed. Yeah, so that's but, the only thing I'm a little concerned about. Yeah, the longer it goes, you're right. It's like, okay, well, who else is going to come through the door at, at that point in February? You know, the, right. the guys who are on staff for these championship teams are either going to get head coaching jobs or they're going back to their team. So um, all, all the guys that you need to interview are essentially out there to interview. So, um you know, they say don't flinch on the field. Maybe don't flinch. Get get your guy in here and uh, and get get to work. So, I, I'm very intrigued to see who of the the coordinators that are still playing get jobs because you know we talk about D'Amico Ryan's. He's got a job. Jonathan the, Gannon, who who it sounds yeah. like maybe the the Texans, um, which was interesting I, because I heard Gannon was like on the the chopping block you know, earlier this season, you know, that they brought Fangio in to be a consultant because they weren't happy with what Gannon was doing and, and all then that Sirianni, sort of stuff. Sirianni went on a rant yeah. uh, defending him last week. Yeah, because that, cause that was out there. I, mean, I, radio, I remember hearing it like week. Tough. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, well, I, I was like, well, I know where he's going to show up if, if he gets let go. He's going to be on the plane with us because I can promise you he's like Brandon's best friend. You know, yeah. there, there was no, no denying that. Um but then obviously, you know, turning around and like I said, like 73 sacks in a season seems like he's doing a pretty darn good job. But um, I had heard Shane connected to Carolina. So now that Frank got hired there, I don't know if Shane's going to be able to. And again, I think I just I feel like the Eagles are going to win that game. Um, I just think with that defensive front and and the ability to match the physicality you know, of, of San Francisco and the ability because of all that size they have on the interior of that line, you know, that 
that I just feel like they probably have, and that could work in, in against Shane and Gannon for that matter. Um, but I'd be really surprised if, if D'Amico didn't get one of these gigs. He's so good, you know, and by all accounts, you hear the way players rave about his relationships, his, attendant, his attention to detail, um, just kind of has that head coaching, has that head coach feel about him. Um, so that would not surprise me at all. Like from the Eagles, I think, I think Steichen, I would put ahead a little bit of Gannon, I think. I feel like, you know, in terms of, of getting a gig, um, I don't know if anyone on the chief staff is, is going to get it. Um, you know, I think the enemy, like the whole thing with, with EB is why doesn't he have a job by now? You know, there's got, there's something there. There's got to be something there. And the, the interview process, it just, it seems weird to me. Like, why would someone have not hired him by now? Um, you know, Nagy got hired. Peterson got hired. I think Kafka's going to end up getting yeah, hired. And, you know, maybe, maybe this is just a, there's people that reportedly want to interview him to be an OC and maybe Andy would just let him go and say, yeah, let's get you out of here. Go somewhere where you can call plays, do it for a year, you know, kill it. And then you'll get your head coaching gig. Too many people are scared that you're just working under me and not, you know, calling plays or something. But, um, and then for the Bengals, like I said, Lou would be the one um, that, that seemingly, you know, would be the guy that, that people are going after. Before we get out of here, your thoughts on, on Bengals, Chiefs, Chargers know these teams very well. The Bengals have all just, I think even over the last few weeks, have turned into this, like, last year kind of like an underdog story to, like, yeah. they're almost like the villain now. Like, they're calling, they're calling Arrowhead Burrowhead. I mean, they, they got a lot of, yeah. a lot of confidence going they're into They're taking Kansas on the, the personality of their quarterback. Yeah. You know, that's Joe are. Burrow. You know, that's what he does. He's, you know... What's your window? My career. You know, that's, I love him. You know, I loved him in college. I, I love, I know it's, you know, it's an AFC team and he's connected to Herbert and all that. Whatever. I love the guy. I freaking love him. He's, he is fun to watch. He's a great quarterback. Um, and I said it, I think we, I think we might've talked about it. Look, I, I was very confident that Bengals team was going to beat the bills. Very confident. Um, I was confident the 49ers uh, we're going to win their game. The Eagles, I wasn't so sure about. And, of course, they had the most dominant win of the weekend. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think they match up really well. They match up really well with the Chiefs. And there's a reason why he's undefeated against them. The Chiefs' secondary has been an issue all season. Um, their front is really good. Karloftis has come on. Frank Clark, we know Chris Jones is, you know, because of the injury to Aaron Donald, Chris Jones has been the best interior lineman in the league. So it's a, it's a gnarly front that can get you in a hurry, especially right up the gut with, with Jones there. So it's not going to be easy, but I just look at, I look at Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. And then I look at Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Juju Smith-Schuster, Isaiah Pacheco. Now granted, Travis Kelsey is the best weapon of them all. But, you know, if you look at the history of these teams, when they meet, you know, they've been able to keep Kelsey in check. You know, they're drawing up pretty good plans to say, okay, he's not like, it's just, it's inexplicable that the Jags allowed that guy to catch 14 balls. It just, it's, how does that happen? It's the one thing you can't allow. And I know Andy Reid is so good at scheming it up and, and finding ways to get him open, but holy cow, you know, that's just, that, that's just crazy. 
14 catches for the one guy that you know they want to go after repeatedly. So, uh, you know, I, I look at it as I think Burrow is playing as good as any quarterback in the league right now. Um, you know, they're on a they're on a run. They just went into Buffalo and made it look easy. So I, I feel like I feel like they're and I, and I like their defense better. You know, I just I like their defense a lot, especially more. against a Patrick Mahomes who's not going to be a hundred percent. You know, you could you could exactly. analyze his limp on Wednesday. He didn't have one. He's he's not going to be a hundred percent. Yeah, you know exactly. So. so I I like the Bengals and the Eagles um, as much as I you know love Christian McCaffrey, having called a bunch of his games in college, and and I pull for him. I, I think he's just so underrated. Even though a lot of people say he's the best running back in the league, he's just he is such a weapon. Um, love watching Thibo and Ayuk and how physical they are. How can you not love George Kittle? You know, and, and not to mention that defense is every level has incredible playmakers. I think it's what nine, I think it's nine interceptions for their safeties, Gibson and, and Ufunga. You know, we know it's the best linebacking duo, you know, in Greenlaw and Warner. That's not close in the league. And then you got Bosa and Armstead up front. So I think, I think they're going to be good games. I really do. I think they're going to be good games, but. I just feel like the ability for Jalen Hurts to run compared to, you know, Brock Purdy and the stress that that puts on a defense that's really good because you've just got to play a little bit more on your heels knowing that that could be coming right at you if you, if you allow him to break contain and it can go for a long way in touchdowns. Um, I feel like Eagles get the advantage there, and, and I just feel like with all the skill on offense, the you know, as crazy it is to bet against Patrick Mahomes, who's been in five straight championship games, which is just nuts. Uh, that's... You know, that's what I got. What do you got? I got, yeah, I got Eagles I got, Bengals. I, I got Eagles Bengals too. I, I think I think yeah. Cincinnati's just too talented. They're playing too locked in right now. And I think the injury to Mahomes and I could be proven completely wrong and you know, it's stupid on Monday when the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. But yeah, when it's Chiefs 49ers yeah, on Monday. Exactly. It could be a rematch from a few years ago. Yeah. But but I th- I think the Eagles uh you know, we talked about the way they conform each and every week, and, and that San Francisco yeah. defense will be the best they, they play, but they have the weapons to combat anything you throw at them. You know, the, the receivers yeah. are elite. The running game is elite. Jalen Hurts has played at an MVP level. You mentioned the defense, the way the defense is played, and I just feel like for as good as Brock Purdy has been, man, it, it, you know, you, you just wonder, can, can he go to Philadelphia on the road and, and win yeah, the NFC championship. Level. It's just, an, yeah, it, it's it's different. You know, like, I give him all the credit in the world. I, I look at the, the games. They've won 12 straight games, I think, Money. Um, and, and Purdy's yeah. won, like, seven or eight of them. Um, or is he it is 8-0. and zero. He's 8-0. No. He's 8-0 right now, yeah. He would be 10-0 and zero if, he won the, uh, if he won the Super Bowl. Yeah. I, I think that's more of a like, – I think Brian Dable's going to win Coach of the Year, but I think Kyle Shanahan, if he won it, I would not be upset – in the least for, for what he was, there's able a to million do. ways you could go. You could go, you know, starting zero and two and, and ended up where they are. Zach Taylor, Pete Carroll with the Seahawks, Ryan Dave, you know, that's why there was, it's so funny. People get so upset when they see the finalists. They're like, where's Pete Carroll? To yeah. Where's no, Kevin O'Connell? Where's Sirianni? Exactly. Exactly. It's like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people that are seven. I just want to make sure I got it right. 70 sacks, 70 for the Eagles. Brandon Graham had 11. Josh Sweat had 11. Hassan Reddick had 16. Wow. And Hargrave had 11. Like, to me, that's just, that's a lot for Brock Purdy to overcome. Kaiser and, uh, and Linval playing in that game, too. Two, right? two Chargers starters from last year, huh? How exactly. About that? Yeah, exactly. You know, and that, look, you credit, 
credit Howie. They needed help on the interior. He went out and got Linval Joseph and, and Dominican Sue. Like, oh, that's all. Just yeah. going to go grab these two guys. That, uh, <laughs> make sure we get a little depth there. And they just bring them in waves. They just roll them through. You know? And that's and that, by the way, is without um, uh, Jordan Davis, who got hurt. You know? And how big of an impact he was having early in the season. And, and they're still this good. Howie has been, you know, the, save for like the, the Jalen Rager uh, selection, Howie has been on fire in the draft yeah. and the way he's constructed this team, um, trading Carson Wentz when he had to, uh, drafting Jalen Hurts when everyone thought he was crazy in the second round. I mean, he's, he's done a number of things that have like elevated this team in all three phases. Um, Nick Sirianni, I don't think a lot of people had him on the head coaching radar. Uh, he interviews, he gets it. Um, Bringing in Shane Steichen, a guy who we know really well, um, they've just they've hit all the right notes, yeah. and this could be uh, their chance to get back to the Super Bowl. Uh, so we'll see. Both games should be fun. Uh, we'll we'll start to pick this thing up. Hopefully, we have an offensive coordinator to announce next we Thursday, will. Money. You know, yeah, I don't have any question. We will. Maybe we can get him on. Yeah, hopefully we get him on. Um, we'll get some guests on now. Chargers Weekly doesn't go away, guys. We still nope, do this every, every week, every Thursday. Um, it doesn't matter if it's January, June, or September. So. Uh, We will see you guys next Thursday, Money. I appreciate it, man. Enjoy the games.